We're going to start in Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. If you get there, let me know. I struggled with this because um, there were things in this message that I needed to hear. I think there are things in this message that some of you need to hear. And I argued and fought because he didn't let me write a lot of this stuff down. And I always get scared and happy at the same time when that happens because I remove myself completely from this when that happens. Um, I have no doubt that, like I said, God has given me a word to give to somebody here. The delivery may be a little off, so this is going to be awkward for everybody. Y'all just bear with me. Uh, As I'm preparing for this week, um, I get a text message that is very open-ended. It just says, hey. And I said, yes. He goes, you're preaching tomorrow, right? And I said, well, we'll call it that. And he says, well, then this message is for you. He says, the message is perfect. The delivery seems like may be a little tough to get across, so make it relatable. My response is, Will Green, I do not like you. (laughs) So, again, for those of you that know Will, he leads our Wednesday uh, Bible study. If you have youth-age kids, bring them to youth, come across the hall, and uh, hang out for Bible study. This week is the fourth week devotional, and it's you, right? Mr. Jay Harrison is going to be giving that this week, so amen. All right, so y'all should have had time to get to Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. To the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Amen. If that's not something to shout about, check your pulse. Father, we come to you today. God, I'm just so thankful that we get to come and worship you. God, today is a... It's a joyous day and also a sad day, Father. We just, we, uh, you give us time to mourn, but Father, there's just, uh, there's a time to celebrate, God, and that's what we're going to do. We just pray over the Powell family, God, Darlene and uh, Zach and Miranda, Father, as they just go through today and just, uh, just know that where Randy is, Father, that's a, that's a question that we don't have to ask, Father. We know he made his, uh, his faith profess, God, and that is a, a strong man and a strong family. So we just ask that you just cover them today. God, and I just ask uh, that you just remove me from everything that's about to be said today. Father, if anything of this is of me, I ask that you just cast it out. God, just uh, replace my words with yours, and I just thank you for today. Father, you've been so faithful and so good. We just love you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So I just read Ephesians 1, 3 through 8, and in that, the message uh, of what I was going to talk about, the title is called Identity Theft. And um, I fought with this. This is not something uh, that was easy for me. Like I said, I didn't get a chance to write a lot of this down. Um, So we'll just get right back into it and just get started and let's get weird. So we'll start with the who, what, and the why. Um, Our identity is something that I used to struggle with. 
I really didn't know who I was or what I was doing. I came from a great family, never had any issues with that, went to as an athlete. Uh, but as I got older, uh, the decisions that I made uh, were my decisions. Um, up until that point, until I found Christ, I really didn't have an identity. So the who in this, how we identify ourselves, is it is in Christ alone where we find our true identity. The what becomes our identity in Christ means we are part of God's family. And the why, if we know who we are in Christ, we will discover what our purpose is. Once we know our purpose and strive to fulfill it, he will give us the power to do so. That purpose, God was not going to reveal his purpose to you unless you're looking for it. And once you begin to look for it, God's going to know that once he gives that to you, you got to be obedient and follow it. Amen. So there's two types of identity. One, we have our spiritual identity, and the other, we have our, <clears throat> I guess, our true identity, whatever, our physical identity, whatever you want to call it. So spiritual identity entails identifying with a particular belief system. That is very important for children and families to get involved in some sort of belief system, uh, whether it's your denomination, we are non-denominational. Uh, we don't have, we do have core values and core structure, but we kind of get the broad spectrum of if you believe Jesus died for your sins, was raised three days later, and he is the Lord of your life, then you are saved. We can come to an agreement on that. I don't need it to say Catholic, Baptist, anything after the name of the church that you go to. So our uh, physical identity is formed through self-awareness by letting go of conditioned thoughts and beliefs. You challenge long-held beliefs by retaining thoughts that resonate with your deepest self while discarding others. As your life circumstances change, you integrate those experiences into your identity. Now, I wanted to go back to the organized religion and belief system. There is an awakening of the next generation that's coming. There are kids and groups and churches that they couldn't care less about what the church building name says. They want the word, they're hungry for it, and they have the access to it. I think that is something we sow into in a major, major way. Uh, the identity that these kids are trying to find is there's two different things. When I say they, I mean the world. Uh, when I say us, I mean the church. So there's two different ways that kids can get brought up of trying to find what their identity is, and that's a struggle. Uh, bringing them up in a church uh, environment, in a church home, I think is the best way to achieve that. So when it says uh, our circumstances change and you integrate those experiences into your identity, that's where our testimonies come into play. And I have a love-hate relationship with mine. Um, I love it because you can kind of show somebody that might be going through the same struggles as you of where you were, what you were doing when God physically picked you up out of a situation uh, or when you finally just completely surrendered and turned around and Jesus was still standing there. Um, that's what I love about it. What I hate about it is you get to relive all the pain that you caused others, not necessarily yourself. Like I said earlier, I grew up in a, in a fantastic home. I don't have a reason. I can't pinpoint something that happened in my life to say that's the reason why I was doing what I was doing. So we're going to kind of touch into some of that. Um, when we talk about the experiences 
uh, in our circumstances, the way they change. Other denominations, we read scripture, uh, we interpret it the way we interpret it, and then we have friends or family members that go to other churches that may not believe the same way we do. I have a very dear friend um, that is Church of Christ, and he served with us on the board at Christian Warriors, and he and I started talking about acts and baptism and how all this stuff came to play. And at the end of it, it there, was, there was nothing argumentative about it. What I did, what I told him, I was like, you know what's going to happen is you're going to go home and you're going to start digging in your Bible. And then everything you give me, I'm going to do the same. So when we start realizing that, hey, we play on the same team at the end of the day, the argument, you can just toss that out of the water. <clears throat> All right, so maintaining... Uh, so how do you identify, basically, pretty much? Um, I'm going to shock a bunch of people here, and this is going to be taboo in some cultures, but I identify as a Christian, conservative, Caucasian, heterosexual male. There's people watching online that their heads just exploded. Um, right? <laughs> Those things have become taboo today. Uh, when you say Christian, conservative, heterosexual, there's all these pronouns that get thrown around um, that's just getting shoved down our kids' throats with the invention of social media. Actually, not the invention of social media, but like Harp was talking about marriage and sexual relations between a husband and wife, our, our society has turned a good thing bad. Uh, my dad spent 20 years in the Air Force. I traveled all over the country uh, through umpiring. I've made friends all over this world. And social media was used for that. Unfortunately, it has taken a very big side turn. And I think you're going to do a message on social media in a couple weeks. I saw something the other day that uh, the country that it originated in was China, I believe. And what they do is they promote things that you see. We'll call it the algorithm um, they promote things like kids working, jobs being created, things that they see on a routine basis. Our kids don't see that. We don't promote that. Uh, they see the dancing and they see the, the trends and they see all this stuff. And what turns into social media becomes their reality. When they start trying to identify by what and who they see through a, for a phone or a computer screen, that's when our job becomes very, very important on who and how they identify with. So, firstly, maintaining self-identity is important because it strengthens your character. When we know who we are, we have confidence in ourselves and are able to identify our strengths, we emerge as stronger individuals. Secondly, it keeps us unique and distinguishes us from everybody else. Self-worth, self-confidence. Uh, those are all things that we should possess on our own. Those are things that I can't give you. Um, we tell our oldest daughter all the time, you know, if you could see yourself through the lens that we see you through, you would probably feel different about yourself. And the other side of the spectrum is, is we tell our kids all the time, you know, it's not our job to do it, that how beautiful they are, how smart they are. You know, you should be really proud of yourself for doing what you're doing. They're not going to have to go down the street and hear that from some bozo to give them attention. They're going to get it from me. So dads are raising Christian sons. You got big shoes to fill. So I think that should be the identity that we give our kids as something to strive for and something to look forward to. And the other side of that is some of you treat yourself terrible while you still love others. 
So the question is, if you treated your friends like you treated yourself, would you even have any? So how do we build on those things? There are seven, I came up with seven, shocking how that worked. Uh, seven is the number of completion. So how we identify these characteristics that we have. Go ahead, Nick. Number one, you can list your strengths. Number two, identify your core values. Number three, identify your beliefs. Number four, meditation and prayer. Number five, practice mindfulness and situational awareness. Six, you can journal. You can journal for reflection on the past and the future. And number seven, and most important, accept who you are. When you accept who you are, and I'm about to tell you what God tells you that you are in this book. Um, we're going to go down some scripture and um, kind of just explain this. Like I said, some of you have read these. Um, I read them again and again. This seven is the number of completion. There's seven, seven verses twice. We have our past, uh, kind of what God says about us, and our birth, and even before we were born. So go ahead, Nick, run through some. I'm going to take my time on these. If y'all want to write these scriptures down, please feel free. Go ahead. So Genesis 1.27 says, So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them male and female. He created them. Jeremiah 1.5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Psalms 139, 14, I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. Ephesians 2, 10, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And John 1, 12, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. John 5, yeah, John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. First Peter 2, 9, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful sight. Go up to John 1, 12 again, Nick. To all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Some of you believe what the devil says about you instead of what God says about you. We get in our own heads. We become our worst enemy. The good thing is, is it's okay not to be okay. When something happens in your life, who you identify and how you identify is the game changer. We can identify with what this book says about us, or we can look to the world. They're two totally different answers of what you're going to get. So we did the past, the seven verses, and now we're going to talk about our present walk, kind of the walk that we're on now. Um, those first seven are scriptures before we were even born. It even says, God knew you, God appointed you, you are supposed to be in this time today. So now let's go on to the present. <clears throat> so the walk that we're on, Hebrews 12, 2, says, fixing your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, 
scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Galatians 2, 20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Romans 6, 6, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Romans 8, 37, now in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Philippians 3.20, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then ended in Colossians 3.1 and 2, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. So that last verse there, that becomes your future. If you walk these things out in your past and in your present, that becomes your future. That's the end game. We all uh, are saved by grace through faith. The bad thing is, is when we start listening to what our friends say or what the world says, it'll throw us off track. I mean, I know people for a fact that we're on this walk and things are going good and then we do something stupid. That's when shame creeps in. Once shame creeps in, you don't know where to go. You can't look people in the face. What happens is, is I have no doubt that everybody in this room has some sort of relationship. You know who God is and you know that who Jesus is. Some of you haven't met the devil yet. And I think that's the problem. Some of you have never came face to face with the devil that haunts you. Um, I have seen him firsthand. Uh, this is the part that's going to get kind of sketchy. So here we go. Uh, I was with some friends doing some things that I obviously should not have been doing. I literally had uh, my initials spelled out in an eight ball of cocaine. And I leaned over the mirror and I saw my reflection. I saw the devil in the mirror and it was my reflection. He comes to you in things that you know. If he had rode into the garden on a big black horse with fire and smoke, Eve would have known that something was wrong. He came to them in a garden as a snake. Picture that. He's going to come at you in ways that you're familiar with, that he knows he can tempt you with, and that's how he is going to end up destroying you. So the things that happen in your life, yeah, they're precursors of what is to come, but ultimately, the life that you're leading now is a sinking ship. Fortunately, God sent us a lifeboat, and his name is Jesus. You still got to get on the boat. There comes a point in your life when you're fixing to have to make that choice. Um, the passing of Randy was not easy on a lot of us this week. Uh, but there is one thing that I know that as a father, he did what he was supposed to do, and he led his children to Christ. Yeah. 
If you're a dad in here and you have any doubt and you're sitting on the fence, it's time to jump off today. Today's the day you make a choice. You can either sit where you're sitting or you can jump. You know, Scripture says that when we struggle, Scripture says I'll never forsake you or leave you. It doesn't say that you won't fail. But what I will not forsake you and won't leave you means he's going to be there to catch you if you fall. We're going to mess up. It's inevitable. We were born into sin. We can't escape it. There's decisions that we can make that can prevent that. But it's still up to us at the end of the day. Um, so my, my story begins with I was a, an army brat. My dad spent 20 years in the military. Um, we grew up all over the world. Uh, moving to Germany from Oklahoma was a, a big uh, shock to me. We had lived off base in the community for a little while, and that was my first chance that I had made real friends. They weren't used to seeing people coming in from uh, DOD school. And, uh, and living in Germany, I, got to, I had to move and leave all those friends, uh, you know, friends that I had played baseball with, friends that I had, had grown up kind of those important years when you're about 12 or 13, when you kind of start fi figuring out who you want to be, who you might be, and who you are. We moved to Germany, um, struggled. Uh, for those of you that don't know, on the German economy, you could drink legally at 14. Um, so that was never a good thing for a 14-year-old kid that could, y'all wouldn't believe it, but I could scale a 12-foot razor wire fence with ease back then. I know it doesn't look like it today, but um, so we would jump off base and we would do things we weren't supposed to, and we would sneak back on. And we moved, uh, we moved here. I'm a 1997 graduate of Pleasant Grove High School, and things didn't change when I moved here. Uh, I met some friends that were athletes, and we continued doing the same things that we had been doing uh, in Germany when I moved here. So uh, de the devil's reach is not, you are, nobody is outside the devil's reach, whether you're an athlete uh, straight-A student, whatever, you're going to be tempted with those things. And then my parents, uh, my freshman year in high school, or my freshman year in college, they divorced. And I think that's where kind of my spiral began. And the thing was, it was nothing that they did. I mean, uh, my mom is married to a wonderful man who uh, is my, his pop. Y'all know pop. He's an elder here. Um, he has been an integral part of my life, and I put him and my mom uh, through some bad times. Not anything that I'm proud of, obviously, but that's just, uh, that's just what happened. Um, went through a godless marriage, uh, was divorced, and then met my wife. And at the time, she had a beautiful little three-year-old, at the time, daughter, who is now 14, and she's shaking her head at me because I'm about to embarrass her. Um, <laughs> The first couple years of her life, uh, I wasn't the man that I should have been. Uh, we weren't involved in church. I was at the point where, you know, Tiff was, was going. Uh, she was taking Kinley with her, and I was like, eh, it's just, that's, that's, not, that's not for me. That's not my gig. And I felt the Lord start working on me in a very, very big way. So we kind of bounced around, uh, went to a church, and... Um, the pastor had some moral failures, and we went through a rough time, saw some inside of church leadership that I didn't like, and then in December of 2013, our youngest was born, and that's when, that's when I found Jesus. 
Not that Jesus found me. He was there uh, the whole time. It was actually December of 14, wasn't it? Yeah, December. See, she corrected me. So, uh, December the 3rd, 2014. Up until this point, the pregnancy was fine. Everything was going great. Uh, and I was still waiting on God to punish me at some point or another for everything that I had done, everything that I had put my family through. And uh, the doctor handed me a healthy baby girl on December 3rd, 2014. And there in the delivery room, uh, I lost it. I lost time. I blacked out. There was this one light, and it was shining on her. And that was the day that I said, whatever I've done, whatever I've been doing, it's over. And it's over today. So things progress, and um, everything was fine. I did not know at the time that Tiff had some troubles during the delivery. Um, but she made it through, and everything worked out great. So in people's testimonies, most people would end it there. We go through all the bad stuff, and then we forget the end of the story. The end of the story is that even though all that that I had gone through, I can still stand in front of you and profess Jesus and who he is. That's not what defines us. Our past is not what defines you. There are some of you in this room that God has got big plans for if you'll just get out of your own way. I'm guilty of it, too. I hear him every day say, man, you, you have, this, have this calling on your life, and I don't believe it. Um, I don't have to believe it. You know, my biggest fear is who I used to identify as compared to now that somebody that I knew 20 years ago would walk in this building and go, man, what kind of church is this? They got that fool on stage? Yeah. <laughs> and that's right. That's right. <laughs> and now... It's like if somebody were to come in and see me standing on stage to say, who better to tell someone else about Jesus' love and how much he can change your life, and you just have to be obedient. So for the guys that are in here today, do it for yourself first. Do it for your family. There's two guys in here that I always think about, and neither one of them are here today. Anytime we do a victory call and I start talking about being a Christian man and a father, I just want to go up and smack them in the head and go, do you not hear what they're talking about? Like, this is for you. Um, I think there's a lot of you in here that, uh, that go through those same things and those same emotions. So I'm going to land this eventually. Man, I'm sweating. I don't like talking about that stuff. Y'all don't have to turn there. I'm just going to read this to kind of summarize up. It's 1 Peter 1. 3 through 7. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes, even though refined by fire, may be, provide, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. 
that verse right there should be the end game. I, uh, I think the reason why God wanted me to share some and some of my testimony was I run into, uh, there's some guys that I went to high school with that I see at the gym. And they were asking about church. I mean, if y'all go to the gym, you see, I mean, we fly RCW stuff big time. Uh, and it's not to create attention, but in a way it does. And I think that there's two reasons for that. One, I think it's, I mean, it's free advertisement. Um, the second is I want people to see how we act. I want people to see how we react, interact with each other, how we interact with other people. I mean, there's been times uh, that harps come over to me and say, hey, God told me that you and I are supposed to go pray over this person. He didn't tell me that. He told you that. So why you always got to drag me <laughs> into it? Um, but every time he's been right, and I know that Robin is here, Leroy's here, Dustin's here, even my man Chris is here, um, he's never been wrong. And I think that that's, that's a beautiful thing. Uh, actually, I'm going to pick on you for a minute, Chris. I met Chris in the locker room at the gym. No, don't be nasty. Uh, <laughs> He was actually, he was standing, he was taking a selfie, and he was posed, and he was taking a picture. <laughs> and I walk around the corner, and I said, man, I'm about to be Facebook famous. Had no idea who he was, didn't even know his name at the time. And uh, there was just almost that instant connection. And obviously, if you talk to any one of us in the gym for 60 seconds, Jesus is going to come up. And uh, so it came up, and it was something, I have no doubt that I was there that day. Uh, just to give him some encouragement. I don't even remember what he was going through at the time, but just those positive affirmation words of encouragement. Um, and he's here today. So he is checking out churches. I'm not saying that he's going to be here forever, but I'm glad you've been here. He's coming on Wednesday nights as well. So it's, uh, it's good to have him in the house. Uh, but anyway, so back to the gym. These guys that I, I was friends with in high school, um, we're flying the CW flags, and they asked me one day, he's like, you know, where do you go to church at? And I told him, and he's like, oh, man, you know, on Sundays, we, uh, we go to AA. And I was like, well, man, you know, church is kind of the same thing, you know. I mean, it's just a little bit different theology maybe. Um, it took me back to a story of the church that we used to go to. There was a, a woman who heard a message similar to the one that I just gave about who we identify as, and she ended up leaving the church and I say the church, like not just the church we attended, but she left the church completely. Uh, groups like AA try to get you to identify as your disease. Um, but what they do works, you know. I mean, I have no doubt that there's a purpose for what they do and how they do it. I just I have trouble putting my stamp on something that tries to get you to identify than, than anything other than a child of God. I really struggle with that. Uh, so my hope is one day that those two gentlemen will walk in the door somewhere from church and get to hear a message similar to this and maybe not have the reaction that she did about, uh, about leaving church. I don't think you should have to identify with a disease, especially now that if you know Christ, you've been delivered from it and healed from it. 